Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. It is April 8, 2020. This is The List and your boy. I think we're at number 165. Is this a landmark moment for you, Jimmy? Did you sit awake in your bed at night and say, you know what? I wonder when we're going to get to 165. Uh, 183 is my uh, really? my big target. No, I just, I just kind of made that well, up. Well, now we have to see something special for 183. Do we? Yeah, I, I can tell you one thing. Probably ain't going to be a live in-person show at this at this rate, but <laughs> we'll see. I, I'm I'm trying to have a sense of normalcy here. So yeah. uh, next next week, Camillo is going to produce again. Yeah, he's going to the office. He was planning on going anyway. Don't worry, people. I'm not forcing him to go to the office. He was planning <laughs> on going anyway. So so I I said to one of the uh, people that he works with, so long as he's going anyway. Have him pick up the stuff so he can start producing again. Yeah. And so next week he's going to produce again, meaning so long as his internet holds up, I guess. Yeah. Meaning that uh, we can have media again because I miss having media. Yeah. I miss having to uh, put stupid people on the iPad. Or I shouldn't say I miss it. I'm sick of it, I should say. Um, but I will say this. Uh, anybody that's watching this, if you have any kind of musical talent at all, uh, what we're doing for the next little while here is – we will accept your rendition of the Stupid People song. Uh, and then whenever we do the segment, I will air your rendition of the Stupid People song. We got one for this week. Uh, if you're interested, you can post in YouTube comments and then uh, somebody will reach out to you or post on Twitter. Somebody will reach out to you. Maybe we can at least make things a little bit different, get some uh, alternate versions of the this, Stupid People song. This is Jimmy Van's such good shit. It really is. And Man, your your camera is going crazy. It's probably some sort of connection, but I is like it? it. Oh yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. It's amazing. It looks like you're at a rave right now, and it's is it moving around? Yeah. Well, no, On my it, side, it's it's not like moving. it looks like there are flashing lights, like uh, like you're just partying. It's pretty really? wild. Like like yeah. It's, you're, you're 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 full of crap. I swear, I can't wait until you see it. And the thing is, I can't like end the call because 
now it's normal. Damn, Jimmy, it was party time. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up YouTube. No, I'm telling you, it was it was lit. Disco really? Jimmy. Somebody said Jimmy is at the fun house. Uh, reminder, guys. I I didn't do anything. I mean, the the only the only thing I did again is I didn't. Uh, we do this at three o'clock Eastern time. I it was literally two fifty nine and like forty five seconds. Yeah. When I told Sean to call me because I've just been busy. Like work has not slowed down for me. So uh, <laughs> that's what happened. It looked like Predator seeking his prey. The Predator, the movie. It did. Really? It really did. I don't know what to tell you. I haven't changed a thing, so I don't know why he did that. I'll get the I'll get some YouTube plugs out of the way, guys. Tuesday, Thursday editions of the Distraction Podcast with Jeremy Lambert and Joe Holbert are up. This weekend, we're going to give you a free preview edition of Sour Graps. Alex Pawlowski is going to watch the Big Show show. So I thought that was a good one to kind of give people. Apparently, we're still covering UFC 249 the weekend after that. So we'll have a oh, show. We're going to get into that. Oh yeah. yeah. There, yeah. there's, there's a lot to talk about this week. Uh, I also did a non wrestling show. If you guys want to check that out on my channel, but, uh, man, it's WrestleMania week and WrestleMania had plenty of news, Jimmy. Yep. Uh, lots we're going to get to. I want to start by talking about the status of live sports because this includes pro wrestling and this includes uh, mixed martial arts. So, um, first off, Contrary to what Hulk Hogan said, we do need a vaccine, and uh, we don't have one yet, uh, so certain I, promotions. I, I want to quickly address that. I had some people say, why didn't you post the Hulk Hogan thing? Normally, if it's lighthearted shit, I'll run that, but I find it a very slippery slope when you are uh, relaying misinformation to people via a news outlet. And what Hulk Hogan said was outright stupid. And I don't want to relay that misinformation because there are going to be a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, well, Hulk said it. So, I mean, he wasn't saying it for any kind of medical reason. He was saying it because he was like, maybe this is God's plan or some crap. Because he's dumb. Because he's stupid. Yeah, there's been a couple things. I don't want to go on a big tangent. But there, there's been a couple things about uh, the way people have handled the coronavirus thing that have annoyed me. The other one has been celebrities that call it the great equalizer. Ugh. That annoys the hell out of me, and the reason that annoys the hell out of me is it's very easy for somebody with millions in the bank sitting in their mansion who's able to ride this out for months without a problem to call it the great equalizer when there are other people standing in line for hours at a food bank because they lost their job and they don't know how they're going to feed their families. I hate when I saw celebrities, and I'm not going to mention names, but I saw celebrities calling coronavirus the great equalizer. Oh, it doesn't matter uh, what your race is. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter whatever. This is the great equalizer showing them in their mansion. That, they're so with stupid a, and so with unaware. With a bowling alley and an infinity pool at their house. Yeah, they're so unaware. That stuff – people are so stupid. Meanwhile, they're so unaware. In, in my neighborhood, people are lined up in their cars around the block and up the road at food banks and churches to get food. Right. And these celebrities have the balls to be like, oh, well, we're going to sing a shitty rendition of a John Lennon song and everything's going to be okay. Yeah, not not quite. Not quite. Uh, yeah, they're very unaware. Way. They're very unaware, and uh, I wish that, that there was more awareness about stuff like that. But anyway, going back to live sports, so last Saturday, April 4th, the White House announced that President Trump held a conference call with the heads of the major U.S. sports leagues. So the NFL and Major League Baseball and the NBA, NHL, WNBA, they also included Miss McMahon and Dana White, which I thought was very interesting. Now, of course, Miss McMahon and Dana White are friends of Donald Trump. Trump's boys. Uh, 
Yeah, and that might have played a played a little hand in them being part you know, part of the call, but uh, but it happened. Trump said on the call that he hopes that they can have fans in stadiums and arenas by August. He said that they ho- he hopes the NFL season can start on time in September. Uh, and they want to look at financial incentives to get fans back into the arenas because obviously even once the stay-at-home orders are lifted, there's going to be people that are still fearful of going to a mass gathering like that. So they're talking about financial incentives for that kind of stuff. Uh, that takes us to the status of WWE, and I, and I want to start with them first. Um, you broke some news about a timeline to get television going again because when they tape Mania – they had only taped this past Monday's Raw. They didn't have anything else in the can. Uh, you broke some news about a, a, a taping schedule. Do you want to go in on that? Yeah, I, I ran the article publicly today because I saw that, that Meltzer had confirmed it, so I figured eh, I might as well pull it from behind the paywall. Uh, from what I had heard, I heard this Monday, and then I was able to talk to a couple other people that were at least in the plans. And I had heard as far as last week people saying, hey, I think NXT's taping – Next weekend, and I was like, "Damn, really?" Because I hadn't heard that yet. Got the confirmation. They the, the idea thrown around was that maybe they go live Friday for SmackDown, tape two more episodes of SmackDown, then go live for Raw Monday, two episodes of Raw, and then maybe live for NXT next Wednesday, and two episodes of that too. But when I look at those, I'm like, "Man." they could film a lot more than that in that amount of time if they're trying to go live Friday, Monday, Wednesday. Now, that was a pitched idea. I I only had it confirmed to me that they were trying to tape a bunch of episodes and they were going to do that from this weekend through next week. But the the live aspect is, I don't want to say a pipe dream, but it is a dream at this point, and that's not that's hardly set in stone. And really, none of this is set in stone at this point. None of it is 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 fine. It, it changes I mean, by the day. Yeah, it changes every minute. And yeah. to me, when I look at this, Jimmy, I know WWE is really lazy about some stuff. But if you are taping SmackDown Friday, you have a lot more time than just two episodes to film before you're getting Monday's Raw in the can, Monday and Tuesday, I presume. I would I would do a lot more than that. And from what we understand, it's going to be at the PC in Orlando. And, and that begs the question. And... I understand corporate politics and I understand backroom dealings. You and I talked about all this before with contract tampering and stuff. I understand that world. And so I get, you know, okay, there's a stay at home order in Orlando uh, or I think in the entire state of Florida. You know, let's, let's, let's be real. This man knows the president of the U.S. If I'm sure he could figure something out. But that being said, have you heard anything about how are they getting around the stay at home order in Florida? That I don't know. I, I will ask because I do have a lot of friends that, that are living in Orlando. And quite frankly, I mean, the Florida is the wrestler's paradise. That's where you go. It's easier to travel. The weather's better. If you're not in WWE, it used to be that a lot of the bookings were there because Impact would run there all the time. But And taxes, too. Yeah, and everybody's taxes. There. My God, it's got me ready to move there, Jimmy. Hint, hint. Can you, <laughs> hint, can, hint. Can you can You're you, on your own, bud. Can you figure out... If they can move the House of Horrors to Florida, I have an agent in Orlando. Just so you know, I'm not. You know what? I'm not shocked because you do. You've got some connections in in Orlando. I do. Um, 
So Money in the Bank, I thought this was interesting. So Money in the Bank is uh, is on May 10. During WrestleMania, they advertised Money in the Bank for May 10. Yes, they did. That surprised me. Now, they didn't – I don't recall them saying live. Uh, right. I just recall them saying May 10. So uh, do you know if they are planning to tape Money in the Bank, number one, at all, and number two, at the same time that they're going to be taping this round of TV? So I, I haven't been told anything about Money in the Bank yet, and that's again that's far away. And if they're getting the the next three weeks, Money in the Bank, I when when was that set? That was set for May, right? May ten. Yeah, yeah that that's still they still Five don't weeks. they still won't have that, and I don't know if they want to go and tape TV after when they tape the actual thing happen. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be really interested to see if like some of these things and title changes film before title losses if that makes sense you remember how the freebirds yep. had a negative six day title reign in wcw back in yep. the day i think some of that i think will end they, up unfolding i think there was even some stuff taped with luger with the wwf title i think there was uh, yeah there was. yeah so they they did used to do stuff like that you yeah. know um uh, okay so moving on to aew now and i want to stick with this theme of of the status of you know live sport um Apparently they figured things out, so good for them because I I had been just as critical about about them as I had about WWE because they continued going live on Wednesdays, but now apparently they've uh, they figured it out. The Observer reported that they taped uh, television at QT Marshall School in Norcross, Georgia, and they apparently taped enough to get them to double or nothing. And double or nothing is not until uh, late May. End of May. Uh, so apparently they taped the entire TNT Championship tournament except the finals because the finals are supposed to be a double or nothing. That's good. I mean, Georgia's now on at a stay-at-home order as well, just like Florida, although it looks like WWE is trying to find a way around it. But Yeah, uh, it does, and I will ask about that. That's – man, we – because WWE seemed to have the foolproof plan, right? They seemed to have the one. They had the the Performance Center, and UFC had the Institute, which we'll talk about later. But it seemed like they had the right plan. I don't know how they're going to get around this. And AEW is very lucky that they they moved away from, oh, yeah, we're not going to tape anything to, okay, we really need to tape two months of this at a time before we can't tape two months of it at a time. Because, I mean, all due respect to AEW, right now, their best of shows wouldn't hit quite as hard as a WWE one would. Yeah. So, I don't know. And, and we saw a lot more original content on this week's Raw than we had in the past. Yep. Which, yep. I mean, well, original content, if you think Street Profits versus Garza in theory, for the fourth time, is original I content. Know. Three times in one show. I know. Yeah. In, in some respect, anyway. Well, yeah, they did it four um, times from last Monday to this Monday. They face each yeah. other. Austin Theory won a zero of those. Why should I give a damn about him if I'm a viewer? I know. Uh, now, the other one, Impact Wrestling. So they're getting into the empty arena game now. And uh, Tommy Dreamer was on Busted Open Radio this week, and he said that he drove to a location to tape TV. The Observer reports that it's Nashville, Tennessee, which makes sense because that's Impact's old stomping grounds. So uh, apparently they, they're taping TV in Nashville. What are you hearing about that? So uh, the inside PW Insider reports that they're even going to move forward with the Rebellion pay-per-view on the 19th of April. So what are you hearing about there's, Impact? There's been a lot of back and forth with that because at the time that the ticket brokers were canceling the event and pulling it off, wrestlers had not been told anything a couple weeks ago. And I even had some prominent wrestlers saying, hey, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, I don't think you're going to have a show. 
Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, I think we might in front of no fans. But they were telling me, we, uh, well, this person was like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody understands how hard it is to have a show in front of no fans. But mm-hmm. there's been a lot of back and forth. But the thing is, the people that I speak to within Impact seem rather okay with how Impact has handled things and kept them up to date with stuff and taking care of them. In the meantime, it's really a far cry from the stories of Impact that you've heard in years past. But as far as Rebellion, I think a lot of that's still up in the air, and there's there's not really a definitive answer for a couple people as of now, at least the few people that I talked to there. Okay, now I want to talk about the UFC, and, and I know this isn't pro wrestling, but the UFC and WWE are very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, they both are tight with the president, Dana White and Vince McMahon. What the UFC is working on, who knows if WWE has to sometime you know, go down the same road. That's why I want to mention it. So Dana White, he, during this whole crisis, has come off incredibly poorly. Yes. Uh, and the one difference between Dana White and Vince McMahon is that Dana White is a camera hog. He always do, likes to do interviews and likes to be at the forefront. Vince McMahon kind of likes, especially in his in his later years now, kind of likes to stay behind the scenes. Uh, but Dana White— He's a very confrontational, weird dude. The, and, I mean, the, the thing is, I'm nowhere near his radar, so I might be exempt from this because he doesn't give a shit about me because I primarily cover pro wrestling. But mm. he did an interview with Megan O'Leavy recently. That was, and they're always really interesting chats, but you can tell that she was fed a question. It was, you can tell he's boys with Trump. It was very much like, oh, the media does this. And he's like, these dummies, these clowns, these. And I'm like, my God, man, you want your company to grow. You have to maintain a positive relationship with some of these people. And he's like, oh, well, have you seen some of these people that that cover this? And I'm like, my God, man, you're going to find people in every sense of coverage that are different shapes, sizes, colors, genders. Not everybody is going to be a six-foot-four dude like Luke Thomas that that trains all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so weird how adversarial he is. And when people ask him questions about this, he's like, the fighters want to fight, dummy. Well, yeah, they want to fight. They want to make money. They want to make their money. They yeah, don't, exactly. Most of these fighters don't realize that they're going to be eligible for unemployment. They don't realize that right Are now. Are they going to be? They're going to. As far as I know, I think John Nash, Hey Not The Face on Twitter, who is very good at this type of stuff, I think he indicated they're eligible for unemployment insurance, and a couple fighters didn't even know that. Yeah, because they're considered independent contractors. Exactly. Yeah, I well, mean, w- see, the difference is that WWE does downside guarantees. Yeah. UFC, you get paid per fight. Yeah, that's the big difference. There's no salary in the uh, UFC. Reminder: before we get too into the weeds on this, guys, donate a super chat. Uh, your question or statement will be read on the air if you do that live at YouTube.com/slash Fightful. We have a few, but we'll get through this segment first. Yeah, I got a few more. I just want to uh, finish this up because again, this could. Uh, potentially apply to WWE, which is why I want to talk about it. So Dana White has been promoting UFC 249, which is their next pay-per-view on April 18th. He's promoting it this entire time, saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. One of his main event fighters, and I'm, I'm trying to keep this high level for people that who are not MMA fans, one of his main event fighters had to pull out because he decided to go. he decided to go back to Russia uh, which is where he lives, couldn't get back to the U.S. He had to pull out. Dumbass. Everybody thought, everybody thought, okay, that is for sure gonna 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 blow this card apart. Because a lot of people were questioning, why the hell are they still promoting this thing? But then they they replaced that fighter with another fighter, 
uh, and they're continuing with the card. So now what the UFC has come out with is they said, okay, we now have a U.S.-based location uh, for U.S.-based fighters. It's going to be in California. It's on Native American land. Uh, and they claim that they are working on an international location on a private island for international fighters. Uh, the the uh, the idea is that they will use a private plane to fly the fighters from wherever they live to one of these locations, put them up there for their training and for their fight, and then bring them back to wherever they live, thinking that's how they're going to minimize the risk. This uh, reminds me of the Adam Scott, Rob Riggle thing on Step Brothers, where he's like, I saw him eat a man's dick once. It was over international water, so they couldn't prosecute him. That This is the plot of Mortal Kombat, Jimmy. They're flying people to an island to fight yeah. for the entertainment of people. International fighters, yeah. Oh, yeah. my and then, God. And yeah. also, I just want to say, it was dumb of Habib to leave. Here's the thing. Yeah. In that situation, you know where you probably should be? The same place that the UFC president is. Because he's going to find a way to get out there. And if you're there, he's going to find a way to get you out of there as well. He would have found... The best thing to do was for Habib to be in the same place, same country, as Tony Ferguson and Dana White. Because if they would have run that show as a five-fight show, it would have have sold just as many pay-per-views... As if they did a full card. Oh, Disco Jimmy back. Really? Yeah. It's, I don't know why it's doing that. Tap your tap your webcam a little bit. Do a little tap tap. I mean, I I haven't touched it. I've been just kind of. Oh, hey. Keeping it the same. I don't know why it's doing that. I I literally haven't changed. Might the be thing, might so be my know. thing. But yeah, the UFC thing. Ah, oh, another interesting question somebody brought up. What happens first, Jimmy? Tony Ferguson versus Habib. Or Bailey versus Sasha Banks. <laughs> uh, Bailey versus Sasha Banks because so uh, they can book that with you know with minimal uh, promotion. They don't have to go through a fight camp. I I don't and and again I don't want to talk too much MMA because a lot of our uh, viewers sure. are not MMA fans. But I don't think Khabib's afraid of Tony Ferguson at all. I don't. I, I think I think he went back to Russia because I don't think he wanted to fight. Not because he's afraid of Tony Ferguson, but because of the landscape. Yeah. I just don't think he wanted to fight. But I don't think he's afraid of uh, of anybody. Same. Um, now, Michelle, one thing. Let's are are we past the UFC segment? No. Okay. No. Uh, I want. Oh, great! Now my doorbell's ringing. As Uh-oh. if there's not enough going on. So uh, something I want to say as a reminder, because it seems that you know, especially with some of these uh, government officials and some of these governors and stuff, people are forgetting a very important point about coronavirus. And this is something Dana White needs to know. He's probably just ignoring it. Vincent Mann needs to know. He's probably just ignoring it. You can be asymptomatic and be carrying the virus. Uh, and so the reason that this is very concerning, more so for the UFC than for WWE, is because you're expecting your fighters to train. That means that they have to have all their training partners and whatnot. You're expecting them to train. You're expecting them to go into a location where you have to have minimum the two fighters, corner men for both teams, a referee, three judges, a camera crew, a lot of people in a, conti- in a, in a confined space. Yeah. Then – what happens if somebody gets hurt? Now you need to have physicians. You need to potentially take them to a medical facility where they could be exposed further. Much more risk when it comes to mixed martial arts than when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, and that's why Dana White in particular is getting crapped on hard, much harder than this man, I think. 
uh, for the way that they're handling it. But what I wanted to bring up, uh, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into why they're doing it. And last week I talked about it on this podcast, they're doing it in part because they don't want to risk USA Network, Fox, and ESPN holding back rights fees. Because we already saw DAZN do it. Uh, DAZN's not going to be the last one to do it. And so in part, I think WWE and, and UFC want to move forward with these shows because they don't want to risk losing those rights fees. In the case of WWE, that's their primary revenue generator is their rights fees, and they have shareholders to answer to. In the case of the UFC, the ESPN deal is also their primary revenue generator. But there's another wrinkle with the UFC. And the wrinkle is the UFC's parent company is Endeavor. Endeavor has $4 billion worth of debt. Yeah. They have short-term loans and long-term loans to the tune of $4 billion. Endeavor's other business units currently cannot operate in this landscape. They've got a talent agency. They've got some, uh, some live event stuff, whatever. That stuff right now cannot operate. The only business unit that Endeavor has right now that can operate potentially is the UFC. If ESPN were to decide to hold back some of those rights, Endeavor could be in major trouble financially uh, because they might not be able to honor those debts. That is the catalyst for all of this. This is the reason why Dana White's pushing so hard is because Endeavor, I think, is pressuring Dana White saying, we need this money. We need it. If, if ESPN holds back this money, we could be in serious trouble. Uh, and that takes me to one other little side note, and that would be Ring of Honor. Okay. Now, last August, Ring of Honor's parent company, Sinclair Broadcasting, they closed their purchase of 21 Fox Regional Sports Networks. They paid $9.6 billion for 21 uh, regional sports networks from Fox. Did you know, Sean, that of that $9.6 billion, $8.2 billion of it was loans? Wow. Yes, $8.2 billion of the $9.6 billion that Sinclair paid was loans. Right now, those regional sports networks don't have live programming. Mm -hmm. The highest ad rates that you can get as the broadcaster is on live sports. Yes. And so Sinclair, very much like Endeavor, is heavily in debt. They have debt commitments that they need to pay. Uh, and the longer that they don't have live sports, the longer it's going to hurt them. Now, I uh, I read a quote from a guy that's uh, that's with one of the investors that invested into Sinclair. I forget the name of the company now, but I, I read a quote from one of the guys. He basically said, ultimately, sports are going to return, and he thinks long term this is going to have minimal impact. I read that, and I thought to myself, well, what else do you expect this guy to say? Yeah. Do you expect this guy to, to talk to the media and say, we're in big trouble financially? Yeah. They're never going to say that. But – the fact remains that they have this debt, and as a matter of fact, at the end of 2019, according to Variety, Sean, mm -hmm. at the end of 2019, Sinclair had $11.1 billion in total debt. $11.1 billion. And we always hear people say, oh, well, they're headed up by Sinclair. They're headed up by Sinclair, so you know they got money. Uh, they got I mean, you too. know, I – I've been critical about Anthem in the past yeah. because when you look at Anthem's history of business dealings, they always would uh, fund acquisitions through debt. Yeah, That's that's the MO of, of Anthem. When Anthem bought uh, Axis, I don't know if I ever saw the financial terms of it, but I was – based on their history, I was pretty confident that they financed the purchase of Axis with debt. Yeah, Sinclair's done the exact same thing. Endeavor's done the exact same thing. That's fine. Especially in the case of Endeavor, that's fine when you've got an ESPN deal and yes. you've got 
hundreds of millions of dollars guaranteed. But when something like this happens that, granted, nobody can prepare for, but when something like this happens, this is the reason that Dana White is scrambling, looking at private islands and looking at uh, Native American land. This is why he's doing it. He's doing it because Endeavor's telling him we're in massive financial trouble if ESPN decides to pull the plug on those rights fees. So who do you think money is buying the private island? It's a good question. Because um, I get the feeling Dana White isn't going to be like, hey, yeah, I'm going to spend my own money with, for this private island. He would just assume sit at home because he's yeah. drawing a salary right now. Yeah, he is, but he also has a very heavy rev share component to his deal. Of course. And dividends. Of course. And the, the, the rev share component of his deal and the dividends far exceed the salary. It's not even close. Yeah, good point. So, no, I mean, they're, they're not going to buy an island. They're going to rent an island. And uh, it's going to be Endeavor money. Oh, my God. This is going to be Fighter Fest or Fire Fest. This is going to be Fighter Fest, the fighter real fest. Fighter Fest. Right. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yep. we, we have some nice super chats. AJ Riddell, thank you for the generous super chat. He says, quick nod to both of you. Jimmy's podcast, Behind the Scenes and the LJN, is a much watch and see. Ever since uh, your joint podcast on the JV collection, I've started my own UK-based wrestlers-only collection. Keep up the great work. You've been getting a lot of positive feedback about that, and I can tell you that as compared to like what in-person interviews or just interviews do, it's doing really good numbers for us, Jimmy. Did you like? Did you expect all the this feedback? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, what the numbers I've seen so far, I expect to add a couple zeros to that long term. Yeah, uh, but I've had people hit me up that I haven't talked to in years mm-hmm. that uh, that came across it. Yeah. I've had guys that I used to like, uh, you know, talk wrestling stuff with. Uh, Ryder said he was going to check it out. I talked to him a little bit. Uh, I don't know if I should mention all these names. Uh, uh, the guy from Wildcat Belts that made the fight yeah. for Belt he hit me up out of the blue, saying I saw I came across your interview. Love it, big fan. So yeah, a lot of people uh, seem to like it, but I'm not. The, where the views are at, that's not anywhere close to what my hope is. I mean, yeah, we should probably have about ten times as many views on everything that, than we do. I mean, I, I'll, I'll I give this. At least we're showing up in sub boxes again. That's a positive, but we shouldn't have to jump through the hoops of not being in sub boxes, not being on the channel, not being able to go live for two months at a time, and having the channel terminated. Like uh, one day, I'll do a select show just based on the issues that we face there. I also want to say quickly uh, to anybody that's into the LGNs, I'm going to do a follow-up piece, and I'm talking currently to another executive that worked at LGN Toys. I'm also talking to an executive that worked at Grand Toys, which took over the license in 89. So I'm going to do a follow-up piece uh, probably within the next month. Yeah, and LJNs weren't a thing I ever collected. I always say I had one of them. But just because I, I came in and I collected toys as a kid right after that, I thought that was fascinating to see what preceded it, uh, preceded the Hasbros that I collected. Throwback said, couldn't WWE consider, uh, like going to places like New Hampshire, uh, that the NH- NHL is considering that have low cases of the virus? Could that be their backup plan? So I, I have heard that they've looked at different states that have, uh, different stay at home orders. Somebody reported North Dakota was an option they were looking at. So in theory, the answer is yes. The problem is you got to get the talent there. Mm-hmm. 
and so Orlando or Florida in general makes the most sense because as Sean mentioned, they got most of their talent there already. And so production. It's, it's just an easier. Yeah, you're right. Because of NXT, they got production there too. So that that makes the most sense. If they had to bring everybody uh, to one of these other states and use the plane, getting everybody back and forth, they could do it. It would just be a bigger pain in the ass. Michelle Haskins says the days of large gatherings are over. We're going to have to find a way to have live sports in smaller arenas to limit person-to-person contact. Now it'll it'll get better. I mean, eventually- yeah. I mean, eventually they're going to have a vaccine. Yeah, uh, I, I will tell you this. I would not want to want to be one of the first people to test one of these vaccines. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of laboratories lining up. There's like two in Canada now. I, I know the University of Pittsburgh is working on one and there's a company in the UK. They're all going to be pumping it out because they all want to be the first to make that money. But uh, I'm not touching a vaccine for myself or my kids until they've had months of, uh, of testing. Yeah. Rob Bokin says UFC flying people gives me the idea. WWE and Delta proudly present. Flight from Hell 2, the plane ride from Hell 2. Brock Lesnar versus Curtis Axel in the main event. Axel going for revenge, Jimmy. I think even 42-year-old Brock would win that pretty simply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, yeah, I mean, because I think Curtis Axel is also 42. No way. He's old, man. Is he? he uh, no, he's 40. My apologies, he's 40. He'll be 41 this year. I honestly thought he was nowhere near that. Yeah. Honestly. He's, he's How old, old would Kurt be if Kurt was alive? I think it, almost 60 at this point. He was born wow. in 58. Wow. Yeah. Time goes by, huh? Time goes yeah, by. Yeah, which, I mean, he was a lot older than a lot of people realized. Because yeah. he, he didn't come into WWF until he, he his 30s, which is young now. But Drew Nicholas yeah. says, Styles and Cena can't return to TV as the same characters, right? What would have been the point of them losing those incredible matches then? Does Cena even come back? Thanks for being awesome. The last I heard, there wasn't really any follow-up plan for John Cena. That being said, if I was WWE and I had John Cena there during a taping schedule... I'm saying, hey, John, do us a big solid. How about you film some more stuff with us? That way we have you on our show and people will watch it. That It's so weird to me that they, they went to the lengths of what they filmed, but they weren't like, hey, we've already got these people for filming. Let's keep them as recurring characters. John Cena can squash a guy with an attitude adjustment or something. Yeah, what what yeah. What is that to him? I don't know. I mean... Do- do you know where they filmed the Firefly Funhouse? I mean, obviously they had seen it there in the PC for the start of it, but do you know where they filmed the bulk of it? I don't, but I'm going to find that out too. Uh, I, okay. Obviously, it had to have been somewhere where they could transport that fist very easily because yes. that yes. thing is big. 
And uh, yeah. I heard a lot of positive stuff. I have some stuff on Fightful Select right now, but John Cena not only was receptive, but was pitching in some other stuff too. And there were some deep cuts there, Jimmy. So for him to do yeah. that. That's... I got it on my list. Do you want to go into it now or do you have some more uh, Super Chats? Yeah, let's go ahead and get into it. I mean, John Cena, from what I was told, went into full work mode and was like, yeah, I'll even put some of this into my, my media interviews. Yeah, well, let me just say this. So I'm not going to recap all of WrestleMania. You can go to Fightful.com and you can read all that stuff. So I'm not going to spend time on that. There's just a few things about me that I want to talk about. First thing I want to say is when they started doing their empty arena TV shows back on March 13 with SmackDown, and you and I talked about this on this podcast, I was suspicious that they weren't producing a lot of live matches on purpose Yes, because they recognized that this thing had a short shelf life. And they knew they had mania coming up, and they didn't want to risk the novelty wearing off mm-hmm. of having empty arena matches. And so that's why they would only have, like, that first Raw, they had Ray and Andrade for six minutes, and that was it. My suspicion was they did that on purpose. Now that I've seen mania and I've seen match after match after match after match, back to back to back to back, I'm convinced that that was the, what happened. Like, I'm convinced that when they watched SmackDown back, the first one, they thought to themselves, oh, man, this empty arena thing's not – it's not going to have a good shelf life. We cannot overdo it because Mania is going to be like that. Pretty sure that that, that was the reason behind it. Uh, I, I want to say, though, like I I was very pleasantly surprised with how Mania turned out for the most part. They weren't all hits, but I was pleasantly surprised how it turned out. I thought that everybody busted their ass. Like yeah. the wrestlers tore it up. and They I think it laid it in group. there. They yes, laid they, those yes. strikes in there, Jimmy. They did, and, and Xavier Woods posted about that on Twitter and said, just so you know, it hurts 10 times more than it normally would because <laughs> normally you've got all these other distractions and you've got uh, you know other kinds of audio going on, but because it's just the two and that's all you're looking at and they don't have the crowd, they don't have anything else, they had to lay it in. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, like Becky and Shayna when they first started the, their match – just slap, 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 slap. But like it, they, they were, they were very stiff. Little, um, little note uh, I got sent by someone who is a common source for me. Uh, Stamford area is where Firefly Funhouse was supposedly filmed. Okay, because that's where the warehouse is. I think. Okay, well there you go. Well, let's talk about these 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 cinematic style matches that they did: the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. And you can give me your opinion. Obviously, they're very polarizing. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I've seen stuff on social media. Some people loved them. Some people hated them. There wasn't a ton of in-between. So I, it's like you loved it or you hated it. Personally, uh, I liked the Boneyard match much better than I did the Firefly Funhouse match uh, because the Boneyard match was more like an actual match. Like it felt yeah. more like an actual fight. Very, very similar in a lot of ways to what Matt Hardy used to do. Uh, and I know that a lot of people have been saying, poor Matt Hardy, they kind of lifted his concept and stuff. With all due respect to Matt Hardy, WWE wasn't going to do that with Matt Hardy. Disco like they just Jimmy. Again? Yeah, I love it. I, it's, there's it's nothing great. I can do about it. I'm not going to reference it anymore. It. I'm just going to let people enjoy you. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah, nothing I can do about it. I don't even know why it's doing it. Maybe this thing needs to be plugged in better. I don't know. But uh, I'm trying to plug it in better. But the, the Boneyard uh, match, it felt like an actual match, an actual fight. And so I preferred that. Even though nothing's going to be perfect. And, you know, there were things about the Boneyard match that made me scratch my head. Like, did you notice the Gallows and Anderson, they'd be there one minute, then they would just inexplicably disappear? Yes. All of a sudden. 
there was stuff that wasn't perfect, but for the most part, it, it was good. The uh, the Firefly Funhouse match, I will say this. The the creativity was off the charts. The inside stuff was really, really interesting as a fan. And Cena, props to John Cena, because when he was in the ring and Bray Wyatt started singing Nikki Bella's entrance music, <sighs> I thought to myself, that's balls for, for John yeah. Cena to, to be part of that. Uh, lots of inside references. There were some people that were wondering, why did he do the NWO thing? Well, to me, it was obvious. That was a nod to the question, why did John Cena never turn heel? That's why they did it, in my opinion. And all the other little inside references that they did and Cena back in the Ruthless Aggression gear and and all of that. Very inside, very creative. The problem I had with the Firefly Funhouse match was it came off like a dream or a delusion. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like Cena's in the Performance Center and getting ready to go to the ring and then next thing you know he's in the firefly funhouse for some reason then after he got pinned his body disappears there was just so much of that just completely wacky inexplicable stuff that it was hard for me to kind of get into that aspect of it but the creativity and the inside stuff you know i was all about that i thought that stuff that part of it was cool i gotta put over alex alex is the best wrestling reviewer at figuring out little Easter eggs and the intricacies of all this stuff and what a lot of them meant. And like the Saturday night's main event thing, there were a lot of parallels drawn to Hulk Hogan and his reputation as a politician backstage and all that from interviews that led up to it to one that got scrubbed from social media all the way through the funhouse. So I, I also had mixed feelings. I enjoyed both of them incredibly. I loved both of them. And, uh, I, <laughs> reached out to Matt Hardy, and I said, how do you feel about these being utilized? He said, wish they would have been there uh, when I was there, but maybe Taker can get a few more years now. I thought that was a very mature thing to say and way to look at it. Yes. That's pretty cool. I thought that was, uh, and I was surprised to even get a response from him on WrestleMania night, but I was like, you know, I got to ask him about this because I know that it's going to be brought up a lot and that was that was what I was told and I was like you know what he could be very bitter and understandably so for all this happening but that also goes to show you the level of respect that is held for the undertaker at this point but throwback 27 says uh thank you for your generous super chat by the way the boneyard and funhouse was amazing it shows they learned from past mistakes from the house of horrors and other matches of this style that made mistakes what's the next match this could happen down the line with and who so it's not like a revolutionary idea. I saw a lot of people bringing it up on Twitter. Sting and Undertaker could happen in this manner. Oh, yeah, and, for sure it could. And I, you got two characters that would fit that, Jimmy. Now, I don't want this to happen all the time. You know what? If it happened once a pay-per-view, I wouldn't even mind it that much. That'd be once a month. That'd be too much. Yeah, maybe like one, once a quarter or something. The major ones. The major there, ones, like SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Royal Rumble. There were a lot of people saying, oh, well, what about the live crowd? And I'm like, WWE stopped giving a shit about the live crowd years ago. They actively troll them by yeah. having the hometown people lose. Like, not everything is going to be that way. And we, this is a subject that I've been talking about with WWE people a lot lately, Jimmy. And wanted to include it in next week's weekly. I might be able to expand on it. But did you see all those interviews where Triple H was saying there are aspects of this business that are going to change forever because of this and all that? Yep, yep. This is one of them that I think is going to change forever. I think WWE sees the cinematic aspect. And Vince McMahon has always been the guy that wants to make movies. 
That's what he always said, didn't he? While he's eating the protein bar, eh, Sean? Yeah, and right now they're making their own little movies, and they got a lot of buzz. They got a lot of buzz for this, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I could I could potentially see them do something with who knows, maybe with like uh, Ronda Rousey in a in a UFC gym or something. Or uh, I I definitely think that they need to look at doing one with the women. Yeah, uh, because that'd be something different, and and they got some talented girls on the roster. But yeah, a few times a year is cool. I I think for me the main thing is the Firefly Funhouse concept, this delusional type of thing, whatever the hell that was, I would, I would minimize that because again, uh, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, but just from what I read in terms of feedback, it seemed that the Boneyard match was more well received than the Firefly Funhouse match because the Firefly mm-hmm. Funhouse match, there's just so much that was unexplained. Uh, aside again from the creativity and the inside references, which people I think like, but otherwise so much of it was just kind of weird. Uh, whereas the Boneyard match felt like a fight in a graveyard, basically. Yeah, that, and that's how I felt, and I, I get your point about it feeling too much like a dream. I wouldn't have hated if the camera kind of came out on John Cena standing in the ring like this had all been in his head, and then he got hit with the move and hit with that and pinned, but sometimes you get a little too cute with things in wrestling, but ultimately that's kind of what it is. I do have mixed feelings in that regard because it plays into some consistency issues and it plays into some realism issues, but I enjoyed it was, was what it came down to. And yeah, Boneyard match was a lot more positively received. Mm -hmm. And I think they saw pretty early on, this is going to rock. I mean, they, they had a, they had a crew on there that was much bigger than they, they anticipated or than was recommended. And I thought they did a great job. Uh, Hannah Moore says the WWE hacker is breaking into Jimmy Van's webcam feed. <laughs> I don't know why it's doing it. The only thing I can think of is like maybe next time I have to load up a little bit quicker. Because again, it was like five it, seconds before it, I came on. It legit might be my internet connection or something like that. There's no real way to determine how a Skype video feed will do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Andrew Monaghan says, were things taped backwards to avoid spoiler leaks? I do not know about that, but WWE did an incredible job avoiding spoiler leaks and they threaten people's jobs <laughs> so uh they should i mean they should have this now when you say threaten people's jobs like what people like production uh, staff yeah as far as i understand it was like hey this is uh i don't want to say they said you're gonna get fired although that wouldn't surprise me yeah they were just like hey we don't want these out and I, I can't speak verbatim because I don't want somebody to take it and quote it and it be on some shitty website. It's yeah. saying Sean Ross Sapp said that they said this. Sports Illustrated had published as much saying that it was a fireable offense for this. And when I followed up, I was told, yeah, it was. And it didn't have to be reiterated that much. Do you know if they signed NDAs? I do not know if they signed NDAs. Okay. I mean, again, I when I hear fireable offense, knowing what we know in terms of talent, I shrug it off. Like, can whatever. You, can you sign NDAs about NDAs? Can you get into, like, an NDA inception, Jimmy? Can you sign NDAs about NDAs? Yeah. Can you sign a non-disclosure stating that you won't disclose that you signed a non-disclosure? Of course. Absolutely. Confidentiality. Yeah. Of course. So, I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe that was going on. Throwback27 says, What does Jimmy think about the Taker documentary? It's interesting to see three years of his life and uh, who would be his last match or last ride match or retirement match? I am fascinated by this, Jimmy. 
every time it doesn't fail, it people will always say, three people you want to interview, Sean, who would they be about wrestling? Ted Turner, Vince McMahon, Undertaker. Those three, because those are the only three that haven't been done to death, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. three. I've got one. I've got a very expansive wrestling DVD documentary collection. Really, the last time that we've seen anything like this was about 2001, 2002. There was a Last Ride documentary back then, too, mm-hmm. about a Biker Taker. We haven't seen a lot of this. This is fascinating shit to me, Jimmy. I saw the trailer on the network, uh, or the first look, whatever they call it. Uh, let me just say this. So when Kayfabe started disappearing... Uh, back in what, I guess early 2000s, I guess, is when they started kind of opening up, you know, in interviews about this stuff. Taker was one of the guys, every now and then, you would see him in an interview kind of saying he didn't want to expose things or, you know, you wouldn't see him do a lot of talk shows back then because he was very protective and even the Hall of Fame, they never wanted him at the Hall of Fame because The Undertaker, you know what I mean? That He was very protective. I applaud The Undertaker for uh, the last 12 months or whatever it's been. I think he's just kind of realized that, you know what, the business has changed and, and people kind of know how it works now. And look at some of the other veterans like Ric Flair who's embraced it. And kudos to Ric Flair. He's embraced it for years now. And Stone Cold Steve Austin and all those guys. For me, Broken Skull Sessions was the first big one. Yeah. Uh, and there have been others in the past. Like, Do you remember uh, Off the Record, TSN's Off the yeah, Record? Of course I do. Taker did an interview on that like 20 years ago. They did a lot of great um, interviews. Yeah, so he he did do one-offs from time to time. I remember he I remember he did a talk show where he had a they did a pillow fight or something. Yeah. Uh years ago and then he did the stuff with that pastor last year. So he has kind of changed, you know, as time has gone on. I say kudos to him for kind of figuring that out. The only thing I will say this uh watching the first look he was making reference in there to stuff like, I really hope that I don't become a parody of myself. Uh, he said, if I stink the joint up, they're never going to tell me to my face, but I'm going to know it. Yeah. I watched that and I thought to myself, with all due respect to The Undertaker, he's already kind of reached that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of question if he knows that. Like, does he know how the Saudi Arabia match was received with Goldberg? Does he know? You know? And so I, I watched that and I, I, I almost felt for him a little bit. Now, keep in mind, that was taped in 2017. So that was taped before Saudi Arabia, now that I think about it. Yeah. But uh, but I, I would like to know if he knows that he's kind of reached that point where people know, you know, you're you're kind of getting by on your name a little bit now. Like, your in-ring's not what it used to be. You need to have the right dance partner. But the Boneyard match could be a great concept for him. Because he, he looked perfect in that match. Oh, sure and I got to tell, I I tell you, AJ Styles, I freaking loved AJ Styles in that. I loved it. And and it's amazing when you think here was this little five foot seven eight, uh, southern guy. I was going to say Asian guy. Five foot seven southern guy that Mr. Man wouldn't touch for years because he was small with a southern accent. He has crushed it on this entire WWE run. And I couldn't help but chuckle when that casket opened and they played AJ Styles music yes. and he popped up laughing. Like, yeah. like, 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 I thought he was great. I thought AJ Styles was great. And, uh, and Taker calling him Allen. You know, like I just thought it was it was it was just interested me. And and again, I know that the purists might not have liked it, but at least it still felt like a fight. Like if you want to hate on Firefly Funhouse because you're a wrestling purist, that's fine. At least the Boneyard match still felt like a fight to me. Yeah, I I agree with that. I liked him in different ways. And 
Uh, Drew Nicholas sent a super chat and said, I'd like to see Taker get a streak going again with these Boneyard matches, maybe four wins in a row. And when he goes for five, he gets bested and retires. I mean, he's already won two in a row. He's won four matches in a row in general, I think. You mean but, like uh, Buried Alive and all that? What do you mean? What you mean? I, I don't know. Uh, that's that's his. I, I think he th- means with these Boneyard-style matches, these cinematic-style matches. Yeah, that, well, that's what I'm saying. Buried Alive is kind of sort of similar. Yeah, sort but of. I mean more cinematic than anything. And I can tell you yeah. AJ Styles was very excited about this. I transcribed an article that he did from one of his game streams. And he he wanted to tell people like what it was about, like what the rules were, because a lot of people were confused. And he goes, well, obviously, we don't want to call it Buried Alive, given the current landscape. And he said, what do you all think that is? Uh, it's a Buried Alive match, but there's no referee. And he was like, it's very cool, and he was very excited to be able to do this. And, of course, we know what we know now, but he said – Having to, having the Undertaker as an opponent gave me an opportunity to do the kind of match that I couldn't have done with anybody else, and I didn't want to wrestle in front of no fans. He's very cool. self-aware, and he made the best out of this situation, and they made it a great one. And it got, was, yeah. it got a lot of buzz, and that's what WWE really needs at this point. They need some damn buzz because people aren't tuning in to watch. I agree. Yep. I uh, I want to talk about uh, going back to John Cena for a minute. I want to talk about Cena's uh, interview with Corey Graves, and uh, and we could talk more mania stuff later on. But I want to talk about the thing that was Cena talking to Corey Graves because he made a lot of interesting points. Some of them I agreed with, some of them I didn't. But the reason I want to mention this is because we've talked quite a bit on this podcast about how guys need to push back. Especially yeah. if you're an established guy. Guys need to push back. Guys need to try things whether they have permission or not. CM Punk was the classic guy that would say, better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how guys like Roman Reigns, it's funny because I've, I've talked about Roman Reigns as an example of a guy that should push back more, and I don't think he does. And Cena specifically mentioned Roman Reigns in this interview. Uh, and so I, I want to talk about it. So there's three points I want to mention. The first one was Cena said that the current era needs a front man and that will define what the era is because it takes on the personality traits of its top star. Yes. So Corey Graves was saying, what do you think this era is? What do you think this era is? And that's when Cena said this era needs a front man. Uh, he said the problem is the crowd is so mixed that if the company gets behind someone, even if they were popular last week, the crowd will revolt because they'll look at them as the corporate choice. Yes. Uh, and Roman Reigns was an example that they mentioned. They also mentioned Seth Rollins as an example. Here's where I disagreed with Cena. I agree they need a frontman for this era, and they don't have one. Yeah. I agree with that. But you cannot look solely at the smart fans and say that Seth Rollins didn't work out because the fans turned on. We can't look at that. Seth Rollins didn't work out because creative was trash. Yep. It didn't work out because as soon as he was popular as a babyface, they put him with Becky Lynch on TV and they did all this pathetic, cheesy stuff every week. Then they put him with, with The Fiend and killed him dead yep. in the program with The Fiend. That's why Seth Rollins didn't get over. When you look at Roman Reigns, and if people people might forget this, Roman Reigns went from The Shield to the world title program like that. There was no time for people to get used to Roman Reigns as a single star. WWE took him immediately when The Shield ended. He had a little run with Rollins, and then they took him immediately into the top title program. That's why the crowd crapped on Roman Reigns. It he became didn't have evident. That. It became evident. Yes. Do you remember during the, the Daniel Bryan situation where he wasn't in the Royal Rumble? The crowd started to chant for Roman Reigns in 2014. They yes. would the, the crowd would have been thrilled if Roman Reigns eliminated Batista 
and won that Royal Rumble. Right. And then in a, a matter of months, it became very evident. And, you know, that, that CM Punk interview did not help him. And I feel bad for him in that regard. But it did not help him when they're like, you got to make Roman look strong. Because that was held forever. But mm-hmm. they, they haven't done themselves any favors with him. No, and and uh, so that was one point Cena said. Another thing he said, and I agreed with him on this one. So he said that he talked about uh, – he once had a match with Eddie Guerrero. And he said that Eddie Guerrero taught him how to improvise based on listening to the crowd. And Cena said that his message to today's talent is be brave enough to fail. Go out there with an open mind and open ears. He said that the problem is that the guys today are too surgical and too precise. What he meant was they just want to follow the story to a T. They want to follow the promo to a T. They don't pay enough attention to the crowd and they don't improvise based on that. I completely agree with that. How many live promos have we seen in the ring where the crowd is shitting all over them because they're doing a shitty promo and they continue with it? You know what I mean? We've seen it a hundred times. I completely agree with that. Uh, and he said something about Roman and Rollins. He said, I know they can do it. And what, what he meant was improvising based on listening to the crowd. He said, I know they can do it. I just don't know if they can do it. Yeah. Do you know what he meant by that? Yes. Okay. And I agree with him. I agree with him. I think Roman Reigns is more than capable of listening to the audience and pivoting, but I don't think he's going to do it. And this this is kind of the problem. And when you look at the past era versus now, that's what that's a, one of the big differences. You can talk about how well they were much more competitive back then in the locker room. Big Show's talked about it. They were much more cutthroat back then. Everybody wanted to be the top guy. Now they're kind of happy to be there, happy to make the money they're making, content to be on television. That all might be true, but you're not seeing guys listen. You're not seeing guys pivot accordingly. You're just not. Uh, and so I, I agreed with that. Uh, I think at some point he's got to accept some responsibility in this too because it was a culture that was fostered with him on top above everybody else at expense of everybody else with frustrating creative with matches that were rinse and repeat and you had Ryback and Cody Rhodes and you had Wade Barrett, Shelton Benjamin, Rob Van Dam, Jack Swagger. You had a lot of people that could not break through. CM Punk did for a little bit, and that was almost a product of that frustrating environment. And that's mm-hmm. the sad thing. So many people are getting over, despite or in spite of their booking and the creative, as opposed to because, because it's good. It, yes, because it's good creative, and that's a, an environment that was fostered heavily. Under John Cena. So you see all these people like Steve Austin or John Cena that are like, oh, well, you got to do this. You got to do this. It's just not like that. And then when people like Cody Rhodes or Ryback or Jack Swagger or Brody Lee, Matt Hardy, they leave. It's not as easy to break through. Cody Rhodes has become a top star, a very tip top star. Chris Jericho was always going to be that, but it's – it it was I think a lot of a lot of it unfolded under the watchful eye of Vince McMahon and John Cena. Yeah, and and that was another point that he said, uh, kind of similar to the last point about listening to the crowd and improvising. He said, when they have nothing for you, they're giving you the freedom to create something. Mm. And he used the rap guy as an example. That I was gonna I was gonna basically say what you just said. It's not that simple. No, because number one, you still got to get TV time. Yeah. And a guy like Luke Harper couldn't get TV time. 
So that's number one. Number two, a guy like John Moxley, according to his claims, Matt Hardy, according to his claims, they pitched and they pitched and they pitched and they pitched. And can we try this? And I don't like this. And Moxley said Vincent Mann would send a memo saying, do it the way it's written. Yeah. So I guess the only lesson that we can learn based on what Cena said is maybe you do it your way anyway. You know what I mean? Maybe Moxley, when he's told by Vince McMahon, do it like this, maybe he just goes and does it his way live on TV anyway. That's the way Austin would do it. Austin would tell them that he would prefer to do it live. That way he could do things his way. No, but what I'm yeah, but what I'm what I'm saying is maybe you tell Vince Man, okay, fine, we'll we'll you know we'll do it the way you've written it. But then he goes out live in the ring and does it his own way anyway. And then maybe that's what you do. At the same time, look at a guy like Zack Ryder who got himself over based on his own personality. They translated it to TV, and then within a few months, they had him getting his ass kicked, John Cena stealing his girlfriend and making out with her in front of him on TV, and him running away from Kane not knowing how to change a tire. Like, that's your reward for getting over, like, really, really big? Ah, man. Have you ever seen the movie? This is a very obscure reference. You ever seen the movie Tootsie with uh, Dustin Hoffman? I've not. Do you know the the premise? I don't. So Dustin Hoffman was an out-of-work actor, and a part comes up for uh, a female character on a on a soap opera. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman decides, what the hell? I need I need a job. So he dresses in drag, and he goes for the audition, and he gets it because uh, he 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 portrayed himself as kind of a fiery Southern belle type sure. of woman, uh, and so he got it. He would get the script for a scene. And he would he would read the script and he'd be like, well, this is stupid. Yeah. And so and so back then, uh, every now and then on the in the movie, every now and then they would have to tape live every now and then for whatever reason, they would have to tape live. So he would look at the script and he'd be like, well, this is dumb. So then when they'd be producing the live soap opera show, he would just pivot and go off his own and come up with his own dialogue. And it got over in the movie and the movie Tootsie became a big star. Maybe you need to see more of that. Maybe you need to look at it and go, okay, so they want this to be a, a, a five-minute match. Uh, I'm not allowed to get this in. I'm not going to allow to get this in. I'm not allowed to get this in. I'm not allowed to say this. Well, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to tell my opponent, hey, I want to try this move. Let me do it. They're probably going to let them do it. If it gets over, good for you. If it doesn't, they're not going to fire you in this landscape. They're not. As brought they're up by not. judgment in the chat, how'd that work for Big Cass? Cass yeah, got fired that was, for it. That was a little different. He, Every he had situation is going to be different, though. But that was a situation where I thought I think Big Cass needed to be a little bit more aware in that situation because he was in there with a little person. Yeah. So that was a little bit different. But if you're just out there cutting a live promo, if you're out there having a match, whatever, and you want to try something, they won't let you. Maybe you do it. You know. And and again, this one wasn't a super chat, but I think it's worth saying. Braun was over, and then the. The company made him a babysitter for little kids and celebrities. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's a that's actually a good example. I would love to be able to talk to a guy like Braun Strowman and I would love to ask him, when that happened, did you know it was stupid? Mm-hmm. Because some of these guys don't shine. So I would like to know, did you know it was stupid? Did it ever cross your mind to tell Vince I'm not doing it? Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. Like get me an actual wrestler or let me do it two on one. Did that ever cross his mind? I'd like to know about that. Well, I just want to point out that in my interview with EC3, which you guys should still check out even though their their show got got canceled, I brought up the fact that Braun wrestled in a pair of trash pants, and then when he got new pants, he became universal champion. I think there's a correlation there. What else you got, Jimmy? 
I actually have a lot. Uh, so I guess <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to because we've already got an hour. So I guess I'm going to put some of this stuff on the list. Goes on. We didn't even get to super people this week. Oh wow! We had, so, we had so much stuff to cover. But how about this? We're going to go to the list. Goes on. I want to talk about uh, how they uh, really screwed up the Roman Reigns bait and switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Edge and Randy Orton how they were very it's not thinking on a certain spot they did. Uh, I want to talk about Goldberg. I want to talk about Rhea Ripley. I want to talk about Drew McIntyre. So go to FightfulSelect.com. The list goes on. We will tackle all those topics. Leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. Tap that bell for notifications. We are back tonight. If you're watching this live, we're back for the Wednesday Night War tonight. And we got content for you guys all the time. Just because things have slowed down a lot in the world, we still have plenty of stuff. I dropped an interview with Josh Prohibition yesterday. If some of you are saying... Who is that? That name sounds familiar. If you ever played the PlayStation or Xbox game Backyard Wrestling, he was on the cover of that. He and uh, the guy now known as Son of Havoc, Matt Cross, were heavily featured in that game. We talked a lot about that and the Cleveland independent world. So check that out. We have a lot of independent wrestling interviews going up this month. Until next time, guys, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.